Hello and welcome to the Untitled Tall Geese podcast. On this show, four lost fan children of the 1990s rewatch classic anime series Gundam Wing and try to convey our nostalgia for the bad decision teens who pilot giant robots and the stern ladies who follow them around. My name is Caitlin. I am joined today with Kathy, Kat, and Mallory. Today we will be talking about the first two episodes of Gundam Wing. Um, I will start with a short summary of both of them. In the first episode, we begin with Operation Meteor, in which the Space Colony Rebels send four super cool mobile suits known as Gundams to Earth to fight the Earth Sphere Alliance, who are bad, for reasons. We get glimpses of the other pilots in a hilarious introductory montage, but our main focus is on Pilot 01, Hiro Yui. His antagonists are the sexy aristocrats, Zex Merkiz and Trez Kushernada, who work for the Alliance, but also for something else called Oz. We also meet Relina, our normal person thrown into the chaos of war, whose journey from naive schoolgirl to fierce leader for peace will be one of the main arcs of the series. Hero poses as a student at her school, and she becomes fascinated by his mission, his mystery, and, I assume, his muscles. In episode two, Hero causes more chaos, Relina has a birthday party, and Hero almost kills her. The most handsome of the Gundam pilots, Duo Maxwell, pilot number two, has his first major scenes in battle with his Gundam Death Scythe, while Troa joins a circus, Katra enjoys flamingos, and Wufei does some terrorism. Duo saves Rolina, but she sides with the guy who promised to kill her because teenage girls have bad taste in men. We get an er early hero-duo moment, namely duo shooting hero, and an introduction to hero's suicidal impulses, which fandom will exaggerate to the point of absurdity. All right, I'm sure there was a lot that I missed there, probably. Um, which is why there are other people on this podcast. So I think that was a great summary. That was. It's everything that's important to me. Duo's beautiful brain. <laughs> Hiro's muscles, oh, which brain. I haven't thought about for many years. Well, he's like a scrawny twink. There's actually a moment where the other girls at the school say, oh, he doesn't look like he's that strong, but he is. Yes, he's wiry because he's so skinny. He's also a trained super soldier. Who's like 14 years old. 15. I was trying to remember, is there any like weird new type background with him? Is he like genetically enhanced or something? No, I don't. Uh, there are no new types in Gundam Wing. Except for Katra, who's kind of implied yeah. to be a new type. Right. But they're not like in the canon at all. Right. Um, even though it would make a lot more sense for them to have these teenage gundam pilots if they were new types okay so hero's just super strong because he trained as an assassin yes okay. got it let's try to figure out what's going on in the world because i so i've now seen at least this episode four or five times and this was maybe the first time i understood what was going on with the earth sphere alliance and oz and the colonies, even though we've seen very little of the colonies so far. They pretty much plop you right in and are just like, here's the setup. The colonies are rebelling against the Alliance tyranny. Just take our word for it. It's cool. Well, it's really comforting to hear that y'all also don't really know what's going on because I'm watching this and I'm thinking, okay, so the Alliance are the bad guys. They've taken over the colonies. What What is going on? And why can't I figure this out? Oh, so no. it's validating to hear that this is just, we're going to plop you right in media rest in the middle of all this action and you're not going to know what's going on. 
Is it my job to not know what's going on? So I think some of it is that they sort of assume people have genre knowledge of, oh, there's Earth and there's space colonies. Obviously, those two groups hate each other. Sure. Yeah, that I get. But beyond that, I don't think we're supposed to know anything else. Okay, so there's no series knowledge that I should know about the colonies versus Earth Right, there's no, like, lore prequels that I should know. The Gundam Gundam Wing is entirely separate from the rest of the Gundam universe. It's an alternate alternate universe from Gundam universe. To to Caitlin's point, there is kind of a general setup that you know you usually see these forces at odds with each other for various different reasons. When you walk into a Gundam series, you know there's going to be some very strange, highfalutin philosophical discussion about the nature of war and what it means to be a soldier and fighting and all of that stuff, which I think kind of shows up in episode one. I have to say I was surprised by two things in episode one. One, they don't explain this division between the Alliance and the Specials, who we later learn are kind of known as Oz, or the, which is actually the organization of the Zodiac, though I don't think they ever say that explicitly in the show itself. But also that they immediately... With... Oh, that's... <laughs> so in case you're wondering why all these mobile suits have, like, ast- astrological names, that's why. Because as you learn, and I, I don't remember which episode it is, I thought it was episode two, but maybe it was later, as you learn, the organization of the Zodiac slash Oz slash the specials do most if not all, of the really fancy mecha piloting work for the Alliance. So they name all these specialty mobile suits after various signs of the Zodiac. So you have Leo, Aries, Cancer, et cetera, et cetera. And then the other thing that I found kind of interesting was right off the bat in episode one, I didn't remember this, but you do meet all five Gundams. And yes. I thought that was really interesting because in my head, I had remembered not meeting all five Gundams immediately. I thought you sort of spread them out through the first five episodes, but that's not true. They're all there and you meet all of them. This is probably one of, one of my favorite sequences. You get a really hilarious series of them all involved in various battles um, and then introducing themselves. <laughs> So they all they all clearly say their names and some like tagline that like lets you know what they are. Like I think Katra apologizes. Yes, he does. And then yes. I think Troa says like is like talking into a log of some sort, describing the battle. It it it's really if it felt very silly. It's very obvious. Like here are all of the characters you're supposed to care about. Here are their names. Yes. You know, in one tidy sequence. And they all have main character hair. And in numerical order. Yes, of course. I mean, what's the point of having them be numbered if you're not going to just lean really heavily on All of really this is to help that? us remember them. So, like, the reason for, like, them all having numbers and being in order, so you very clearly remember them. And the reason why Oz has those Zodiac mobile suits is so you know, oh, all of these Zodiac names are from the same group. And that group is bad at least for part of the series you do there is a moment where you realize there's this divide it's in episode two when they're trying to find wing gundam so by the end of episode one wing gundam has sunk to the bottom of the ocean and they're trawling for it and there's actually and this Mm -hmm. was really hard to pick up i think the first time i watched this it was obvious to me upon rewatching. but there's this little fight that zex and otto i think is are, are having with the commander of a submarine who's trying to trawl 
where he calls him Trey's yes Trey's that little pawn. And so I I do think it is kind of interesting because all of those little tensions are there. Um, it's just so hard to pick up in the first couple of episodes because you have no idea who these people are, what their relationships are with each other, and why we care. Yeah, there's no context for for any of this. I'm picking up on all this tension, but I have no idea why there's tension. So I know they have history, but I have no idea what that history might be. And we, we see the Gundam pilots come in as like, I mean, they're terrorists, right? They're mm-hmm. the terrorist group. So it's it's kind of an interesting way to introduce your heroes and villains by just being yeah. like, Alliance, they're bad. <laughs> I mean, it's not even like they're, it doesn't even seem quite like they're bad. We don't see anything bad that they're doing. The Alliance's tyranny. I mean, the, the intro describes describes it as like the colonies rebelling against explicitly the alliance's tyranny and that to me was interesting because i think i probably tuned that out a lot in the first one we also don't see any mm, tyranny um, though at least not for a little bit i would expect more explanation of the tyranny right right you only know the gundam pilots are good because you have the genre knowledge because right. otherwise hero yui is just like a huge asshole. Yeah. Not to like detract from where we are. I do think one thing about rewatching was just how much of an asshole a lot of these people seem like in the beginning. Like Zex is oh, they all such an asshole. At least in the first two episodes. Oh I, yeah. And I just wanted to slap him around. He's the worst. Yes. I mean, he's beautiful, but he's the worst. Yeah. And Trey's too. Like the whole the whole setup with the Alliance versus Oz is that. Everybody in the Alliance is like a nobody background character, like a mob mm-hmm. character, and they're all like ugly old men. And then Oz is all these like beautiful aristocrats yeah. who are just like the yeah. worst. I'm like, am I going to be rooting for the Alliance to like keep a hold of their military structure? But you know there's no way you can on? because they just die off in every episode. Like they're, they're just, they're literally nobody like they have no names they have no backgrounds they don't have their own little like musical theme and then it's obvious with with the colors because Trace has this you know really dignified blue suit zex is all in red and then you have all the rest of the alliance who's in kind of a drabish olive gray you know who the important people are and it's not these old men they don't have beautiful epaulets so you know on this point about Trace and zex i do think one kind of Thing that I never really thought about when I was first watching is this these signifiers of like class that show up in the first two episodes um you know you have Trey's who's watching the opera when he's introduced in episode one and um it, it is really wild to me because a lot of Trey's early scenes seem indistinguishable from something that you'd have in the 18th or 19th century except for the fact that he's talking to somebody on a laptop using what looks like a cell phone you know something like that and so the same thing with episode two when you're more introduced into the school and you have the hero you know hero enrolls as a transfer student to relina's school relina's school is ridiculous i mean why it's absurd (laughs) like everything about it is silly like they're they're learning horseback riding i mean why so amazing oh my god and heroes heroes horse boy and fencing do they take math? Is and there rich math people don't really in a school? Math. Right, they just have accountants. Yeah. Just horseback riding. They have accountants well, to do all that I mean, stuff. they have the horseback riding, so all the girls who are swooning at how rich Relina wa- was can swoon over how amazing Hero is with a horse. Yeah, but Hero's also, like, clearly marked as from a different class within that setting. Like, he doesn't acknowledge Relina's, like, priority oh, right, over right. the rest of them. 
Relina already knows that he's like a weird space debris beach bum or something. And so like, I think like at least part of her fixation on him in the, in the beginning is this interest in something that's outside of her very like sheltered class limited world. Right. Even the way that he addresses her is not with any deference. It's with this like dismissiveness. And I don't think that as a person, she has ever not received that kind of attention. Like it's established pretty early that she's like someone that is fond over and that as an adult is like so much. I hate it. Those girls need to stop. Um, They're so simpering. Yes. Relina. It's really, yeah. This has been interesting to me because we, in episode zero, we talked about how Relina got a bad rap, but rewatching these intro episodes, I'm like, okay, I can kind of see why people were sort of not into her at the onset, though, because, like, her friend is, yeah. yeah. She kind of sucks. Like, girl, he's not, he's not that into you. I feel very differently. I feel very differently from you guys. Like, I actually, upon rewatching, I realized she has all these seeds of rebellion and wanting something more from her life. You know, she pushes back on her dad. She wants to be more involved. She doesn't want to be lied to about what she's seeing, you know, what the news is telling her about what she saw with her own two eyes with Hiro in his Gundam suit. And I don't disagree with any of that. It's, yeah. it's just more like from a fandom perspective. I really understand yeah. why fans were sort of like she... She was not a fandom favorite from from the gate. I agree. Yeah, I feel justified in my 12-year-old mistake. I was sort of like, yeah, as a 14-year-old, I would be like, fuck this girl. She's my enemy. And yeah, yeah. which is which is why you yeah. know that this show is more aimed. I don't know though. Like, I wanna say it's more that's how you know that it's more aimed towards towards boys and like it's very clearly mm. like the like boys who have the inner lives um so far but at the same time it feels very fanish and like it knows exactly what it wants fangirls or like girls to get from this show i still feel like there was maybe an error in execution i almost feel like we were supposed to like relina more or feel that she was very much an avatar for us like oh, in really? a kind of weird reverse harem really? setup. Yes. Yeah, I think oh, she, tell I me think more about this. Yeah, I think she is supposed to feel like a, an avatar for us. I think she's the the everyman character of the yes. series. She doesn't know what's going on. She gets introduced to all of these pilots. Um, we're supposed to be following along with her. She's like, oh, what were I these? I guess meteors? I could see that, like laying laying that out. But she's a character whose background is like socioeconomic status is so removed from mine and like whose experience at school is so removed from mine that the only way that I can think someone would think I could relate to her is if that person were a man. <laughs> so, okay, one, so one, it is true. true, the writers were all men. Yeah. So this is why I, I point this like error of execution mm-hmm. issue. I do think they didn't understand maybe the things that would have make, made us relate to a more Relina-like character. And, you know, a lot of Relina's school and the early scenes of Relina with the highly performative femininity reminded me a lot of Revolutionary Girl Utena and made me wonder what it would have yes. been like if Relina had been written by somebody who perhaps, like, better understood either, like, queerness or, like, gender as a concept. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so... I feel like, I, I do yeah. feel like we were supposed to feel like Relina represented us. And part of it was like her want, 
and her wanting to kind of push back against authority figures, namely parents in her life. But I think it just didn't come out. And I also think, um, not to make this a dub versus sub conversation too soon, I think her English voice was terrible. And I think that was another reason why she came off very school marmy. Yeah. And like, yeah. Well, I think that combined the with the, um, the fashion, though, I feel like um, they don't really know what to do with her femininity. Yes. So it, it is really weirdly cartoonish and exaggerated. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like she's coded to be like a Barbie character to me, like a Western yes. audience. Because the audience yes, avatar yes. is never good. Almost never the most popular and richest girl in school, mm-hmm. who's also has like a pink Cadillac and a butler or whatever, right? And a horse, and yeah. So, like, she has all these things that really pinged for yeah, like fourteen year old me, like, ugh, this is a character I can't relate to. And watching it now, I'm like, I can see why fandom sort of took it and ran with it even though i totally get like yeah her dad sucks like clearly she needs some fucking therapy right (laughs) and she's like she it's it is interesting because she does disobey and she speaks out like she she shows anger toward her dad at least like a like a little bit like she calls for him which is more than i think some girls are ever given but then they flip it at the birthday party Mm -hmm. right where she's just like oh i totally understand so she's torn between these two worlds but it's not yeah i don't think the execution worked so i have a slightly different take on Melina, which is that like i mean i i love (laughs) anime rich bitches like i i mean speaking of utena i love nanami like i love those sort of characters um i don't have any issue like i uh, well, I don't know if I, ident- I would identify with richest girl in school and owns a horse, but I don't really feel alienated from them. My issue with Relina is that her naivety at the beginning is really irritating to me because, like, the one thing I can understand from the setup is that there's a war going on and these Gundam pilots are important. She seems to want to make both her her father's diplomacy and hero's entire mission all about her and that is really irritating to me and was really irritating to me from the beginning it it's almost like a gender issue in the writing and that a lot of the women in this show become like peace-loving parody figures of the men they're meant to pattern after like they're all Mm -hmm. sort of attached Mm -hmm. to one particular man and they balance off them i'm here to hold your emotions right and they're the they're the one who won't kill they're the one who won't uh, like fight. They want they want to look for a higher purpose, which is, I, I mean, it's a good figure to have. It's a necessary figure for a Gundam series, but it's really irritating to me just to have every woman be like that. And Relina is probably the worst case scenario version of that. Like the, she's the she's the the biggest example. She's the most prominent in the series. She's ultimately like confirmed to be oh, yeah. correct mm-hmm. in her thinking, but. Uh, it takes like a long time for her to journey from being like, oh, fighting is bad, killing is bad, crimes are bad, to being the figure we sort of see later on, which we won't get into. So I just get, I, I'm just annoyed because she like interrupts the storyline in a particular way, even as she's driving it forward. Like, I don't think she needs to be there in those first two episodes. She's just there because we need an audience. An I audience can see what show. you're saying because it's like, her scenes are so simpering and slow that when 
you're in the middle of all this action and then it cuts back to her. You're like, oh, I don't want to go back to school. Even this like cool rich school where they're riding horses and playing fence or fencing. Wow. And even the fencing is more dynamic. Yeah. I do love the school scenes just because they're so ridiculous. You have Hero, he stabs that guy in the face. I mean, like, right, but there's action and the horse, his horse boy moment is like a little bit of action, but ultimately it sort of cuts the momentum of like the fighting and sort of the, the thing that I am watching Gundam Wing 4. Especially since the first, the first, very first episode is like, look at all these badass suits. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Now we're fencing. I don't, that's, that's one thing I really don't understand about episode two. And I don't blame this on Rolina, but because she's such a big part of it, I think it kind of, the blame sort of shifts to her, but they introduce all these amazing suits. They look great. And then episode two is like mecha less terrorism. Like, you know, like, you know, it was like, (laughs) Like, stealing yeah. an ambulance yes. and, like, blowing some stuff up. And I'm just like, what am I watching? Like, wh- why why are we here? It, it is a really strange interlude. It's also not clear to me mm-hmm. why he isn't trying to recover yeah. his suit. He has it self- set to self-destruct. I don't know why he just doesn't just go get it. Well, we wanted right. to talk about Hero's suicidal impulses, so... So was he trying to get to the Gundam... To explode it. To explode it so that he would then die? Well, I think one somebody saw his he, face and she's still alive. That I mean, like right. that's yeah. Right. He has Two, to kill her. His Gundam is really damaged because he can't use it until um, until later. Like mm-hmm, he can't mm-hmm. repair it himself. So right. he's already been burnt a little bit, and now his suit is pointless. And he knows that Oz is going to be searching for it because they're the one that shot him down. So right. okay. I think he thinks he yes. can't recover it. He wants to. He wants to blow it up to save the mission. And he also wants to kill himself there, to save the mission. Like, he's not s- properly suicidal. He just wants to die in order to protect the right, mission. Right, but it doesn't impression. really totally make sense that he would need to die also to protect the mission. Yeah. I think, like, the, I don't think the episode ever, no, like, it doesn't. really makes it, it clear that, that that would be tactically necessary. And even du- Duo is like, what? What? <laughs> I will say that. Yeah. His motivations made a lot more sense upon this rewatch once I had refreshed myself as to what was happening in the world and why we even got here. But speaking, like putting myself back into the view of somebody who just dropped into this show, it's nonsensical. Like, I don't know what his mission is. Nope, I don't no. know why killing himself in his mobile suit like is a good idea. So all I know, and this, maybe this is actually an important part about Hiro's character, is like he views his body and his life as like very like secondary to whatever it is that he needs to accomplish like he almost has no attachment right it's expensive like his body and himself is is expendable to his cause but i don't know what that cause is so whatever he's doing just seems like all character no plot (laughs) he's also very bad at killing yeah yeah and and himself well he's very bad yeah hero could die at this point and nobody would notice (laughs) <laughs> that would be a great misdirection. <laughs> he's number one, but just kidding. Wait, Hiro can't die because he's the one who's ostensibly Japanese. Yeah, he's yeah. sort of like the viewpoint character, which is why Relena is obsessed with him and not with anyone else. Right, right. Even though Duo is clearly superior. <laughs> can we can we talk about Duo, who is oh, introduced? Duo. Like, you know, he we 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 meet him in episode one, but he really has a big part in episode two. Kathy, shows up. tell us about Duo. Let's hear about Duo. So, 
Well, okay, so actually one thing that I thought was really weird that I have written down in my notes, is not, it's not a great explanation, but he felt very much like the male Asuka in episode two. Like he's introduced by his Gundam like landing uh, yeah. on a boat. He has that same kind of really bombastic big personality that was the same thing with like the Asuka versus Shinji kind of personality conflict in uh-huh. Ava. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, there, there was just something about him where I like met him and I instantly was like I know exactly how I'm supposed to feel about him which is like he's this very bubbly big personality I know he's not the main character <laughs> I know he's not going to get the girl at the end the girl being Relina in this case but it was so great having him there having this sort of weird flirty but like yes. not threateningly so but also kind of murderous he's yeah. what he exudes yeah. in episode 2 yeah. Everything about it was like great. It was really great. Like I thought I I thought it was just imagining it, but the whole dynamic between where he saves Relina, but then Relina rushes over to like wrap up Hiro's wounds and he's like Excuse what me? The, what like, how did I become it's the bad such guy? A great That's such a great yeah. moment. And I love the voice yeah. actor for the sub. Seki Toshihiko. Yeah. Seki Toshihiko. He's so expressive and fun and dynamic. Be- and you know, Hiro is the strong and silent soldier. Soldier, So Duo gets to be the sort of, like you said, bop, like fun and bombastic character. So he sort of picks up the pace again, even more. Um, when he shows up, he's like a breath of fresh air coming in to flirt. And I think like, so we get Hiro doing all this stuff. We don't, he doesn't really talk about anything. None of his decisions make sense. Duo coming in to save Rolina is like the first time somebody in the show does something I think makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And his reaction to Rolina doing something that, again, does not make sense, running over to save Hero, help Hero, is like, finally somebody in the show sort of understands what I'm thinking, which is like, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> I love Duo so much. Yeah. Also, his outfit is incredible i love his character design um amazing raid is like i'm pretty sure that after i saw that i was like i wanted to wear my hair really long so i could braid it who else so we get like weird glimpses of the other pilots in this episode because one of my notes is troa's circus resume where he just shows up to a circus and hands over a resume with his photo on it and then just sticks his hand into uh, was it a lion? Yeah. Like a lion's cage? But why does he have yes. a resume? I p- What's on it? Why does he have a re- I posted. I posted that clip on the Instagram, actually, so check it out later. Um, but he... Why, why does he have a resume mm-hmm. for the circus? Why does he think the circus requires a resume? <laughs> Obviously, the guy is like, I don't need this. Right, this all he had to do me. was walk up and... And then he goes over and he tames yep. the lion... With his just emotions. Because he's that good. I guess, like, the circus has a lot of trucks, so he can put his Gundam in the circus trucks. But it's, like, seems kind of like a conspicuous cover. Yeah, I I did always just assume he'd made up the resume, but I did have a lot of questions about the hiring, like, process of joining a circus. And I know that's, like, not the point, but, like, it it, it was always very strange to me. I mean, later they do manage to, like, wrap up the circus into kind of a plot point. Um, but it is one of those moments where I'm just like, so you really thought that the best way to hide that you were going to pilot is like, I don't know, performing in front of a bunch of people? On some level, it sort of makes sense because it's not like he, I mean, sure, he has a resume. I'm pretty sure it's like 
did acrobats with this circus. I, like, tamed lions at this circus, right? No, because then the dude would be like, oh, yes, you've worked at many circuses uh, instead of, like... <laughs> I don't know. But, like, it's not like they're going to do a background check, at, oh, like, true. for tax purposes, right? So anyone <laughs> could show up. Um, so, and then it makes sense that he's, like, so physically fit because mm-hmm. he's do- he can do acrobatics. The circus. The thing with the circus is that it's, like full of drifters and people who don't fit into society. Troa needs a place where he doesn't yeah. fit into society. Even if he's performing, it's not like he's performing on TV. It's not like he's in the movies. He's just a circus guy. My bigger question is why does he need a job? Like everybody else is like uh, like know. camping out and and like terrorisming. Well, except for Katra who's admiring for um, Katra has a whole sure. like posse. He has like a so he, he has like he a palace. A like I don't know. It's just like a really weird layer to no, introduce. Wufei could probably it use is. a job. I'm not saying it isn't. But... I think if Wufei had a job, he'd be committing fewer war crimes. Sure. I do think maybe there is a sense of Troa like wanting human connection, but also not having any traditional pathways to do so. So he doesn't enroll in a school. He obviously doesn't have the mm-hmm. magnetic force following him like mm-hmm. Katra does. So the circus did make a certain amount of poetic sense, but it is just kind of still a wild idea that like you landed on a foreign planet because he's a college yeah. kid and decided that your next choice was, I'm going to join the circus. My question is, where did he print that resume out? The Gundam? A library? Did he already, it runs did he out of already paper have really easily. that resume, <laughs> resume prepared? <laughs> Surely he just made shit up. I hope yeah, it's real. I, I'm sure I hope he made it, shit up. But it's like I was a mercenary my soldier question is... on L on L three for X many years. It probably says I pilot a Gundam. <laughs> I need space to store my Gundam. Oh, we got a truck. And then nobody looked at it. All right. So in each episode, we are going to talk about a fandom artifact that maybe has stayed with us for a long time or has only recently been introduced to us and so today we want to discuss the music of the series one that great opening theme communication etc i don't need to sing the whole thing can't believe two mix made a theme song for the ages though it's like the most like i feel like just communication is a classic just communication is one of the best anime openings i i can put this on at karaoke with like a group of randos and they will know it it's a bop yeah we also have the ending theme Set to a remarkable montage of Rolina on a jungle expedition. Yeah, yeah, she's like on a safari. And she's having a good time. But then she's also really angry. She's sometimes. very stern and then having a great time. Yeah. I think it is one of those things where it's almost like an AU within the, the story. And so it's it's kind of like done oh, there, yeah. just like sort of for fun. So I don't think it's necessarily that we're supposed to think of the lyrics of it's just love as like from her point of view or trying to say anything about Rolina. It's just, just like love. something that they decided that they were going to put in there. <laughs> 
intro animation is very iconic. You know, Hiro with his hand over his face, like fading yes. into the background. And then what I can only describe as the if we were less lazy and animation were less hard, this is what the Gundam characters would actually be wearing outfits. Right. Like, yeah. Duo oh, yeah. has, like, the little golden, like, designs. Like, Katra's in a flowy scarf. Like, Wufei has a dragon yeah. on his tank top, which none of that shows up in the animated series, probably for budget reasons. It did not feel like they had a ton of cash for these first two episodes. And they're, they're saving their cash. <laughs> So one of the reasons why I wanted us to talk about the music is that there are multiple OSTs for Gundam Wing and all the tracks have just like the most outlandish titles ever. I can only describe them as like somebody wanted to be extra serious in a fanfic and like gave that fanfic a title. <laughs> like one of the most popular, like one of the songs that you'll hear over and over again in Gundam Wing um, is the wings of a boy that killed adolescence. And there's something about that that is like full on 90s slash like somebody took their fanfic really seriously kind of feeling. Oh man. And I, oh. Or like I this is my poem about Gundam Wing and also I'm 13. Yes, <laughs> this is my poem about Gundam yes. Wing. Yes. This is my Gundam Wing fan poem. Oh I my mean, god. Back in the smell of blood and gunpowder is this... reads like an emo poem that I would have written. Pain that should have been abandoned long ago. That clown doesn't need makeup for tears. <laughs> Hourglass of a sad color. Womp womp. Um, and that's going to lead me to um, the second soundtrack has a bunch of character songs by the voice actors of each Gundam pilot, and they are not all equal in terms of <laughs> musical ability um, or like how intense a bop it is. I would have to say Trobe Barton's um, The Clown is my least favorite, but uh, duo's, duo songs, probably my faves, not that I'm biased. So... I would actually have to point out that there are multiple character songs. There are. There's yeah. at least three of them, I think. And yeah. maybe maybe Caitlin is better about explaining this than I am, but the, this is not an uncommon thing to see in anime, which is like where the voice actors then sing a character song. I think it's to move CDs. Yeah, I think so too. By which I mean to like oh, yeah. get I mean, people to buy them. I bought them. I, it's also because they're... I mean, there are there are fans of the voice actors who want to buy their music. A lot of the voice actors also have singing careers, like Seki Toshihiko. He's like he's got a pretty big following, right? Yes, he's he's a a big deal. Yeah. I wanted to say with these character songs, there's a long history of cross promoing anime through releasing music. In this case, you you might consider this an early version of what is now like the dominant way of marketing any series that has more than one like male character in it, which is that you're partly marketing them through the seiyuu, the seiyuu do events. Comparable in the same time period as Gundam Wing might be something like Vice Kreutz, where oh. the seiyuu oh, yeah. also launched themselves as a uh, band. So they played oh my God, Assassins who pose as florists, How did um, I but then they it? also sang as a band. And then one of the voice actors from that, Koyasu Takahito, is also the voice actor for Zex. And mm. also, Trey's voice actor is also in, in Waste. He's Brad Crawford. Yes. So yeah. Ozaki, I think. Um, so they had a separate, they were a separate group. So you get this sort of like cross marketing as part of the media mix of, of getting people to buy more stuff related to the anime. So you have a music element you have the anime element you have the gundam model kits which we're going to talk about at some point yeah um you have all these different aspects which give you a 
slight entry into a different part of the world. Um, they make you feel like you have more access to the character by buying that CD. Right. All right. That's all for today. Catch us next time when we'll be discussing episodes three and four and get into a little bit more of the other pilots. Tell us what you thought of these episodes. You can find us on Twitter at TalGeesePod. We also have full transcriptions on our Tumblr, untitledtalgeespodcast.tumblr.com. And follow us on Instagram at untitledtalgeespodcast for fandom artifacts, sneak peeks, and more. Until next time!